Let's uh, pray before we look into God's Word. Father, I thank you that you are the God of life, and uh, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and that uh, there is life to the fullest, like you say in John 10.10. That the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, but you came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. And I pray that you would use this time this morning to draw us to life to the fullest uh, in lived following you. So I give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look out of Matthew 4, like it says up there, and I'm going to just read again the first two verses there of Matthew 4, 18 and 19, um, following up from where Daniel started last week. And um, simple verses, but really good verses. Matthew 4, 18. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And as you go on, it says, Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. We're going to be talking, last week Daniel, as I would say, talked about discipleship 101. Jesus said, come, follow me. Today we're going to be looking at discipleship 201, which is, and I will make you fishers of men. So discipleship. When you think of the word discipleship, what do you think of? I... It was interesting. I mean, we think of, like Daniel shared last week, learner, follower. But I think often in a, in a church setting, a religious setting, our minds automatically go to, well, disciples of Jesus. But the word disciple is a pretty common word. Um, I looked up a couple, just, just to give you some examples of the word disciple. In the 1960s, there was a group in Chicago called the Black Gangster Disciples. Uh, in Chicago today, the second largest Latino gang is called, anybody know? You guys need to get out more now. <laughs> huh? It's a good guess, no. The maniac Latin disciples. So you should have known disciples would be on the word. <laughs> the maniac Latin disciples. Now this will be one that Jake knows the answer to, unfortunately. It's a WWF team. And they are called, Jake, you should know this. Jake was offered a job as a pro wrestler, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Semi-pro, okay, well, it's all the same. The Disciples of Apocalypse. Sounds like pro wrestling, doesn't it? Fake wrestling. (laughs) So, (laughs) Disciples... 
Now you got my opinion on it. <laughs> so disciples is a word that's it, it, it's very common. Every leader has had their disciples, right? But the question I want us to think about this morning is, why did Jesus call 12 men and many more men and women besides them to follow him and be his disciples? Why? And we come to the end of Matthew, the book we're in here, in Matthew 28, just before Jesus ascended back to be with his Father in heaven, and he said, go and make disciples of all nations. What did he mean? And in reality, I think what he was doing in Matthew 28, he was just reminding them of what he's telling them to do here in Matthew 4. Kind of refreshing their memory and reminding them, this is what I told you at the very beginning when I first called you. This is what I'm reminding you to do now as I'm going back to be with my father. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So just to review quickly, I guess Daniel can evaluate how well I listened last week. Um, come follow me, Discipleship 101. Jesus said, come. And when he said, come, it was, a, it was an invitation to leave their old life. It was a point of decision. They had to make a decision. I leave my old life. I leave what's behind me. And I decide to follow Jesus. It's like that old chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And so when Jesus said come, he was calling them to a decision. And it was a decision to follow him. And literally, when it says come follow me, literally it just says come after me. It's, and as Daniel said last week, that's literally, that's what follow means. It just means to follow behind, to follow after. As Jesus walked through life, his disciples walked after him and, and learned from him and observed him and watched him. And, and so his life became their lives. Come follow me. And so it's a very personal thing, the me part of it, where it's a call to a personal following after Jesus. It's not a call to, to, to follow a program or steps. It's, it's a very personal call to follow after Jesus. And so we come this week to the second half that we're going to look at just briefly. And as Jesus says, come follow me, it says, and I will make you fishers of men. Now this isn't really a, probably a very good topic for me to talk about because I am not a fisherman. Kyle should probably be talking. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best to pretend I'm a fisherman and understand what it means to be a fisherman. You can talk to me afterwards, okay? <laughs> I will make you fishers of men. So what does it take to be a fisherman? We're going to try to understand what a fisherman, what it means to be a fisherman. And then we're going to look at being fishers of men. Um, as I think about a fisherman, I think of someone who's patient. That's why... I would be described as not a fisherman, but a, a real man. <laughs> my, my favorite fishing experience was a long time ago. 
I haven't had many since then because I'm not patient. <laughs> but it was, in, it was at Spirit Lake. Anybody know where Spirit Lake is or was would be the better question. Mount St. Helens. It is now hardly there. Um, yeah, we've been there. Uh, but it used to be a beautiful large lake. And um, so now you know how old I am. <laughs> well, we were married the year um, one month after Mount St. Helens erupted. Uh, so I was fishing with some friends in Mount St. Helens. They were fishermen. They fished all the time. But they knew they could invite me to this fishing trip because in one hour or less than one hour, we all three of us limited. Now that's fishing. Well, that's Dave's form of fishing. But that's not what it means to be a real fisherman. It means willing to sit or stand for interminably long periods of time while getting eaten by mosquitoes, sunburned, or frostbitten. That's, that's what fishing is to me. It's being patient. The second thing that being a fisherman means to me, or that I understand, it's being not just being patient, but being devious. I mean, think about it this way. You got this fisherman. <laughs> Kyle said, I'm glad I'm leaving. <laughs> you got this fisherman that, that wants some fun and wants some food, and you got these poor little fish. And the fisherman's thinking, how can I get these fish into my oven? And so they're thinking, so they're thinking, they're planning, this little fish likes worms. But I know that this little fish, when I'm fishing here, likes small yellow flies. But if I go to that lake or stream, I know that that fish likes juicy red berries. And so being a fisherman means... If you don't want to use the word devious, it takes planning, right? It takes planning. If you want to catch fish, and see, that's why I was never a fisherman. I'm not very patient. I'm not very good at I just want to go out and catch fish. I didn't want to have to think about how to catch the fish. But if you're going to catch fish, you have to know which berries or which flies or which worms. and uh, So it takes planning. And the third thing is it's purposeful. I'm guessing, since I'm using Kyle, I'll just use Kyle, that when Kyle goes out to fly fish, he doesn't just go out and, you know, start whipping his fly rod, or, you know, his line around. But he goes out very purposefully. He decides where he's going to go, where he thinks the fish are, the best time, and so forth. And he goes out very purposeful, not only to have fun, but the end result is to have some good fish in the freezer. Now, if I were to relate that to when Jesus, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think it's very similar. When Jesus is calling us to be fishers of men, he's, he's saying it's going to take patience, right? It's going to take patience. I remembered the story as I was writing this of um, George Mueller. Some of you might remember his name. He was... Uh, uh, a pastor that is known for his orphanages in England. And um, a man of prayer saw God provide uh, 
for thousands of orphans over many years. Um, he said, and I remember a story he told, that for over 30 years, he prayed for a friend's salvation. That's patience. <laughs> and that, pa that friend came to Christ at George Mueller's memorial service. He didn't even see it himself. But after over 30 years, that's patience. And that, that's, it's, the, it's that patience of a, of a fisherman that Jesus is saying, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. People that are willing, kind of like the old hymn, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling to you and to me. And, and, and that's the kind of people that, that he wants to make us too, is people that are just calling. <laughs> and praying like George Mueller and pleading for, for our friends and our loved ones that are, that are lost and without Jesus. It's that patience to pray and to wait and to plead with them. So when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, I think it's that kind of people that he's going to make us. The second is, in the wrong sense, um, it can create devious people. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying this really seriously. Um, we were missionaries overseas for a few years. And as missionaries, we heard the term rice Christians. Have any of you heard that term? Rice Christians. And what the, what the word means, rice Christians, is people in other countries, poor countries, who in a sense, we're lured to Christ by the offer of something, by rice, by the offer of a job or a bicycle or something. And, and so they were called rice Christians because they weren't really disciples. They weren't really followers of Jesus, but they're saying, yeah, if you give me money, if you give me rice, I'll become a Christian, sure. And so, you know, today I think I think we can do the same thing, maybe not even, not even consciously, but maybe unconsciously. But I think it's, it's a wrong way where as in wanting to be fishers of men, we forget what we're calling people to, and, we, and instead we're saying we, we think our job is to get people to church or to... The old phrase is called, you know, a notch on our belts. <laughs> like, you know, okay, I got... Uh, or to build up our numbers, you know. We've got, we got to have this place full, so we've got to get out there. You know, the point in being fishers of men isn't to get more people <laughs> or a notch on our belts or to build up our church. It's, it's to call people to Christ. It's to call people to Christ. But, but in a in a positive way, it does take planning. To be a fisher's of men does take planning. Planning with praying, I could say. Where we ask ourselves, those that we love and those that we're reaching out to, we ask ourselves, what is hindering somebody from coming to Christ? These, these people that I'm sharing Christ with, these people that I'm, I'm rubbing shoulders with, that I'm working with, that I'm going to school with, what is keeping them from seeing Jesus like I see him? And that takes patience, but it also takes thinking. It takes planning, like, like what kind of lure do I use? What kind of fly do I use? It's, like, it's asking questions like, is it, 
Is it believing the Bible to be full of errors that's keeping them from Christ? Do I, need to, do I need to help them to understand and see the Bible for what it really is? Or is it feeling like they could never be forgiven for what they've done? There's a lot of people out there like that, that we share Christ with us. That's great for you, but not for me. And so we need to, as we pray for them, but as we talk to them, we need to deliberately offer them the forgiveness that is for them too. It's for all of us. I think a common one, it's feeling like, um, it's, it's struggling with God as a father that keeps some people from coming to Christ uh, because they had a horrible father experience. Their father was, we'll just say a horrible father, and, and, and they can't even begin to think of God as a father, I mean, as, as being a good thing. And so they need to see and how, how God being a father is different from the father that they had. And so it takes planning and it needs to be very purposeful. What is, what is the purpose? You know, the, the wrong purpose, like I shared earlier, uh, would be to be, um, like I said, you know, the, the reason a fisherman fishes is for fun and for food. So it would be a wrong purpose to, to make disciples for them to be your food, okay? Just want to... I say that jokingly, but, you know, that's what the Christians were accused of back in the first century. Uh, when the, the, the non-Christians heard about the Lord's Supper. If you read John 6, you'll understand where Jesus says, eat my body and drink my blood. And they heard Christians talking about this ceremony that they were doing, and they were accused of cannibalism. It's purposeful. What is, what is the purpose? The purpose isn't, again, it's not, to, it's not just a notch in our belts or be able to say, oh, man, I brought somebody to Christ or... We got the biggest church in town. What's the purpose? It's to bring them to Jesus. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. To bring them to Jesus, to bring them to life, to bring them to forgiveness and to hope. But the question is, as we look at this verse, then Jesus, I will make you fishers of men. So fishers of men are are men and women who are patiently praying thinking through, asking God, how can I, what is it that I can say to them? How can I reach out to them? How can I love them in order to bring them to Jesus? But how does that happen? What, is the, what does the verse say? And this is a wonderful thing. Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Man, isn't that freeing? <laughs> um, I've spent a lot of my life trying to make myself <laughs> things. This says, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If we're going to be these patiently praying, wise, knowing how to minister and reach out to and share Christ with individuals in order to see them come to Christ, it's going to have to be Jesus that does that. That's what it says. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. It's not going to be, and I'm not saying these are bad things, but it's not going to be a class or a program or a book. Those can all be helpful, but those things aren't going to make us fishers of men. Jesus 
is the one that will make us fishers of men. And to put it, just to use that phrase, Jesus says, I will make you. It's Jesus that will change you. It's Jesus that changes you. Knowledge isn't the answer. Although knowing this book to know him is very important. But knowledge isn't the answer. You won't become a fisherman merely through knowing lots about the Bible. Because Jesus is the one who changes us. And I love it. In, in second, if you want to turn, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is a verse that would be a great one to memorize. Because it, it describes exactly what Jesus is saying here. That he changes us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Listen, it says, Paul says, but we all with unveiled face. And by unveiled face, what he means there is he says, people who see Jesus for who he really is. Many of us, it's like we still have a veil over our faces. We're going around with wrong information about Jesus. And that's why this book is so important, the Bible, because we've got to be people with unveil. We've got to see Jesus for who he really is. If we, but we, with, when we have unveiled faces, look at it, it says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So when we see Jesus, we see the glory of the Lord because he's the Lord himself, are being transformed. It's the word metamorphosis into the same image, meaning into his image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. You see that? Jesus changes you. As our eyes are open to see Jesus, as we're spending time with Jesus, as we're absorbed with Jesus, as we're looking to Jesus, as we're setting our eyes on Jesus, it, it's kind of what they say about old people. I wouldn't know I'm not old, but, you know, is, you know, a couple, as they spend more and more time together, they begin to be more like each other. Uh, and that's what it is, as it's, it's, it's we just see Jesus, as we're absorbed with Jesus. And that's why I think so often we don't get anything out of the Bible, and we say, man, the Bible has become so boring to me, and I just don't... I don't feel like spending time in it is because we forget that the point of being in the Bible is to get to know Jesus. It's not just to read. It's not to get knowledge, but it's to gaze at Jesus. And that's what this verse says, is we gaze at Jesus, then he will transform us. He will change us into his image. And so it's a very personal thing. It's not education, it's not reformation, it's transformation as we spend time with Jesus. As it, as it was said about the, the apostles in Acts 4, as, as they stood before the religious leaders and they said, they, could, they noticed that they'd been with Jesus. <laughs> I think that captures it right there. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And people 
will see and, and be drawn and respond to us as Jesus is changing us because they'll see Jesus. And so it's very personal. It's recognizing that we are needy. It's interesting, as Jesus reached out to these guys in, in Matthew, uh, fishermen back then, they, they were poor. They were unlearned in the theological sense. They were hardworking businessmen, but they hadn't been in the rabbinical schools. They hadn't studied with the rabbis. But these men were men and women that changed the world because they were with Jesus. I will make you fishers of men. He is about transforming us and through us transforming others as we bring them to Jesus. And then through them still transforming others as they're brought to Jesus. That's discipleship. I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, you will bring people to me as I'm transforming you, and as you bring them to me, I will transform them, and it just keeps going. I will make you fishers of men. But how does this happen? I will make you fishers of men. Well, the first word is what? And. And it's a connecting word, right? You know that? John and Jim, they're, they're together. It's a connecting word. It's connecting the phrase, I will make you fishers of men with come follow me. Do this and I will do this. And, and it's all one pack. As Jesus says, decide to follow me. I've decided to follow Jesus. Say, Jesus is worth it. <laughs> John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they, Jesus said, Come follow me. And they were there. They said, He's worth leaving everything else behind and following Him, following after Him. And as they did that, His promise, I will change you. I will transform you, making you into individuals who I will use to transform others. So that's Jesus' invitation to us. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Trust me. Be willing to leave everything for me, Jesus says. Spend the rest of your life getting to know me, and I will transform you. I will make you what you never imagined that you could be. Like me, and as I do that, I will also you, use you to bring others to me whose life, lives I will also transform so that they in turn will bring others to me whose lives I will transform. That's what Jesus is calling us to, discipleship. <laughs> Come, follow me, and he will make us. He will make us beyond above and beyond what we could ever ask or be, people who will impact our worlds for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, it's so simple. Uh, there are so many. Uh, it's so simple. Jesus, come follow me. And, 
And Jesus is obviously so worth it. He's the creator of the universe. He's the, the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the, the resurrection and the life. He's everything. And yet, Father, why is it that we don't just leave it all behind and follow Jesus, allowing him to make us what we want to be, people that, that are changed and, and sing him change others through us. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning you would just work in our hearts. You would open our eyes to the things that are hindering us, the things that we're holding on to. And, Father, that you would just make those all seem like manure to us. Like Paul says in Philippians 3, that leaving them behind, we, we might enter upon the greatest adventure of our lives as followers of Jesus. Amen.